0: Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Thank the Lord. Let's turn in our Bibles to Numbers chapter 32. And we're going to start here. How many of you, I'm curious, are with us in this service, and you were also in the earlier service? How many fanatics do we have here? Jesus fanatics. I'm here too. I'm in both of them. I love both of them. I uh, I probably go to both, even if I wasn't the pastor. I I'm kind of addicted. I have to admit, I have an addiction in my life. I'm, I'm addicted to the Bible. I'm addicted to the gospel. Gospel. Uh, uh, I'm addicted to church. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that it was a certain group of people. They addicted themselves to the ministering in the church. You know why they addicted themselves? Because you get high from it. You don't get addicted to something that doesn't make you feel wonderful. And they said they addicted themselves to the ministry, to the saints. You can get addicted to good things. As a matter of fact, that's the best way to get out of a bad addiction is override it with a good addiction. You know, like our website talks about addicted to freedom. You can get so addicted to the freedom that Jesus gives that you don't even have any more desire for the other thing that was hurting you. Um, So I wanted to show you something today. I'm going to give you the title of it before we, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to give you the title of today's message before we go to the scripture. You're not going to understand it. You might, if you have inside information, you might, if you've been praying, Um, or if you're in the earlier service, don't tell anybody. But really, we, we want you to catch this. So the title of the service today is a question. The title of the message. Why say holy? W-H-O-L-L-Y. You, you don't understand that right now, and that's okay. The scripture will bring it out. But why say the word holy? W-H-O-L-L-Y. Why say holy? All right, And this, this, is, this is basically... Um, Well, let's just read the scripture and you can see it. And then we'll talk about it. Numbers chapter 32, verses 11 through 12. This is talking about after the children of Israel came out of Egyptian bondage. They're in the wilderness trying to get to the promised land. Let's see that scripture. So up here it says, God said, surely none of the men, the children of Israel that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward, none of them are going to see the land that I promised them, which I swore unto Abraham, to Isaac, and unto Jacob. And the reason they're not, God said, the reason they're not going to see the promised land is because they have not wholly followed me. The Lord's talking. So why say holy if you couldn't partially follow the Lord? Why say the word holy if you couldn't do it up to a certain point See, a lot of these people followed the Lord to a degree, and they didn't get into the promised land. I believe the days are over where we follow the Lord until it's not convenient anymore. Or we follow the Lord until we just don't have time anymore. Or we follow the Lord, but now that's kind of in, 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 uh, invading our family plans. Or We'll follow the Lord up to this point. How many of you know the Lord wants a people in the end times who's 100% Sold out to him. We'll do anything. Go anywhere. Stay anywhere. Start anything. Stop anything. Holy. Follow. Give up anything. Sometimes you got to give up before you go up. We know that with a hot air balloon, right? If you want to go higher, they throw sand out. And if they really want to go higher, they throw their instruments out. They throw good stuff out. Why? Just to go higher every phase of your life will probably be confronted with a having to give something up that's really, really good, that God maybe even blessed you with, to go higher. And at times, it's really interesting. We need to be willing to do anything, go anywhere, stay anywhere, stop anything, start anything for the Lord, or our Christian walk will not be even close to what it could and should be. The coolest thing about getting to that place where you're willing to do anything for the Lord is now no matter what happens around you nothing moves you you have stability from God that you can't get any other way Paul said none of these things persecution lies destruction threats on my life all these problems he said none of these things move me I don't even count my life dear to myself for me to live as Christ to die is gain It's like selling out to God is not for God's benefit. It's for our benefit. And this scripture here says those who didn't wholly follow the Lord were not able to enter into the promises that God wanted them to enter into. There's just some things, church, isn't going to be fixed through another prayer. Some things aren't going to be fixed through another confession. Some things are only going to be fixed by going stronger in the Lord. More holy following him, going all the way with Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Pretty sound. Uh, I'm joking. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Everybody remember the word holy W H O L L Y. That means completely. Question Can we partially serve the Lord? No. Yes. You have a free will. Of course you, oh, can. Yeah, you can. You can. Should we? No, no, there's a no. Can, can, we, can we partially serve Lord? Can we, can we have Him in our life and He not be first in our life? It's totally possible. And if you read Matthew 6.33, it did not say, Seek ye the kingdom of God in His righteousness, and all these awesome things will be added unto you. It said, Seek ye first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added. We need to understand first. Here's a really interesting thought the entire world that we live in for 6,000 years has been in a chaotic, fallen mess because a man put his wife first instead of God. Adam knew, don't eat of the tree, but his wife's saying, honey, but it's so good. Look at this fruit, it's amazing. He put his wife, number one, and we're in a fallen world today. How I many think it's a very important issue to make sure Jesus stays first in our life, even above family? Yes. If family is first, Jesus is not first. There's not two first first place. Jesus taught this many times. He said the greatest competition to you doing the full will of God, some of the greatest competition is going to be your own family. And if you don't love them less than God, you'll fall into this thing that Adam fell into. And then you wonder why you don't have the power to help your family when they need help. Well, it's because you cut the connection. He's not first. How do you have his power? One of the best things you can do for your spouse and your children is put God first. And in in, in saying that, I will let you know there will be times putting him first will require a change of plans. I said, putting him first at times will require you give up something in the family area. I know your natural emotions are going to come on the scene and say, no, we love our kids. We're going to do this even though it's Sunday. We're going to do this even though we can't make that meeting. No, we're going to, we love our kids so much. On the contrary, you love them so much that at times you tell them this plan is on hold. God's saying something this, else this week. Yeah. Something else came up that we're going to attend to. I just love our kids. Uh, You know, God understands it's their birthday. There's times he may ask you to bump the birthday plans. Mm -hmm. But I love my kids. No, you don't. Not if you're bumping God to put them first. Your kids need to know from your lifestyle that God's first in your life and not them. It'll give them a supernatural, invisible security that every child on this planet has a right to have in their life. They need to see at times mommy and daddy sacrificing things, even family things, in the name of putting Jesus first, or they will think they're first, and they'll grow up selfish. They got to see at times putting God first. It's not just a word thing. It's a, it's a real tangible thing. I mean, there were many soccer games we decided not to go to and could go to and wouldn't let Rachel even be enrolled in certain things because church was requiring some other things. When I say church, Jesus, the head of the church. And they didn't miss a thing. Today, they love life. They're seeing good days. They're happy. They're blessed. They love church. They serve God. But there was a few times we had to tell them, Honey, listen, I know it's a holiday. I, I know it's this. And I, I know you really want to do that. But youth groups got this going on. And there may have been a couple times where they didn't like it, but most of the times they loved it. And then when they started seeing the results of putting God first, Are you kidding me? There ain't no competition with the world. You put God first, there's nothing the world has to compare to that. Everybody say holy. Holy. Deuteronomy 1. Go to that scripture, please, in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 36. Deuteronomy 1, 36. Go to verse 35, guys. I'm sorry. Okay, so, surely, God said, there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land, God said, which I swore unto your fathers. Before you go to the next verse. Do you realize, keep that up there, do you realize that all this bunch of people, the children of Israel, they were all children of Israel. But just being a child of Israel didn't guarantee them enjoyment of the promises. Do you want to know what the difference was? Very few people got to enter into what God said was theirs. And it was because of something the people did and didn't do that made the difference. God said, surely, Moses, not one of these men of this evil generation will see the good land, which I swore to give them. Can you not enter into the good things God has for you? Is he going to make you enter into them? No, he's not. Notice, he said, I swore to give it to all of you, but none of these evil men are... What was the problem? Next verse, next verse. Now, Caleb... Except Caleb. Caleb is a little different. Caleb, the son of Jephthah, he shall see it. He'll see the good land. And to him will I give the land that he has trodden upon and to his children. Why? Because he was a a child of Israel. No, it was more than that. It was in addition to that. He was not only a child of God, so to speak. He also wholly followed the Lord. There is a partial and there is a holy. There is a part and there's a full. There's a complete. I believe the Spirit of God is saying to every one of us in this generation, it is time, it is time, it is high time to wholly follow the Lord. Live in an attitude of consecration to Him every day of your life. Not my will, but your will be done. Life's too short to keep doing your own thing. You've got to seek the Lord and make sure your plans are His plans. Here's a real sobering question. You ready for this question? When you stand before the Lord Jesus, and we're all going to stand before Him, and Mommy's not going to be there, Daddy's not going to be there, our spouse isn't going to be there. We're all going to stand before the Lord Jesus. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's not judged whether we go to heaven or hell. It's judged concerning rewards we get in the next life. Christians. And he, here's a question we need to ask ourselves. When we stand before the Lord Jesus, and He looks in our eye with those eyes of love, and says, Son or daughter, and calls you by name, when you're on the earth... Did you do what I wanted you to do? Or did you do what you wanted to do? All those days on earth. Because you have a will. Do you realize the best thing you can do with your free will is yield it to the King of kings and Lord of lords who has a better plan for your life than you could ever dream up in your own brain? Jesus said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He said, I always do those things that please my Father. Jesus knew this life on earth is like a vapor. Shortest thing you'll ever do is this life right here. So we should be living for the life to come more than the life here. He says your life on earth, even if you lived 120, it's like a vapor. It appears for a little time, it's gone. A couple more clicks, we're all out of here. Are you living for this life or the next life? Huh? I mean, mean, think about this. Are we doing what we want? Are we doing what he wants? If you want to get into life at its fullest... God being able to trust you with more power to help people turn up the anointing in your life, help you to see things and go to places you never dreamed of, we have to show Him that we are willing more to do His will than any other pull that would try to come against us in this earth realm. Things are pulling on us left and right right now. And we need to keep our focus and we need to zero in and say, God, what, what what do you want me to fast? Oh, there's a good word. Your flesh likes that word, doesn't it? Fast, Give up some good things so we can pray more. Give up some good things for a while so we can spend more time with Jesus. Yeah. Do more things in the church. Whatever he may say. Yeah. Hmm? He, he, this is... One time Jesus was... There's some people following him. And the guy said... He said, come follow me. You know, we're talking about following the Lord. Holy, holy following the Lord. And Jesus said to this one guy... I mean, like he, he told Matthew, come follow me. Matthew is now a disciple of the Lord forever. Peter, come follow me. Peter left his whole thriving fishing business and followed the Lord wholly. Right? Others, come follow me. And and he asked one guy one day, just think of this this invitation. Come follow me. See, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. Most people don't recognize these God-first opportunities coming their way because they sound so natural. Be involved with this. Do this. There's an opening here. And people miss it. You know, observe it. It's, it's, it's clothed in natural stuff. But it's for him. He said, come follow me. And the guy said, well, Lord, um, okay, I will. But let me first go bury my father. Jesus didn't say, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know that you had a funeral coming. I'm so sorry. I didn't understand. Jesus just let it go. And if the guy chose to follow, he followed. If he didn't, the Lord just let him go. The Lord's not going to make us do anything. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. You follow me. Now, see, people on the outside would look. If a preacher said that today, they'd go, hard-hearted preacher. Never going to go back to that church telling somebody he can't even take time to go to a funeral because of some preacher man saying, follow me. (laughs) Jesus would have been kicked out of so many churches if he was on the earth today. I remember one time a guy was kicked out of a church. I think it was because, I don't know, he, he, he wasn't flowing with a certain creed or something. And they just booted him out, gave him the left foot of fellowship. <laughs> booted the guy out of the church. And the guy walks out of the church and he meets Jesus in a vision. He says, Jesus, don't worry, they kicked me out of that church too. <laughs> they kicked Jesus out too. So he said, don't worry about it, son. Let's go. <laughs> we'll have church together or whatever. Then one time he told, he told a, a man, he said, come follow me, a different guy. And the guy said, oh, I will, Lord, I will, I will. See, we're talking about wholly following the Lord. The guy said, oh, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go say goodbye to my family at home. What's wrong here? Priority. I mean, to you know, there could very well be something more important than your family come your way. Call a kingdom opportunity. What if the guy would have followed the Lord? Well, what if Peter wouldn't have? No apostle Peter in heaven. No temple before the pillar of God forever. Right? I mean, what are people missing by putting other things first? And the dangerous part of this is anything we love more than God, we're in danger of losing it anyway. If you save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for His sake, you will find it. You know, one of the greatest sermons needs to come on the scene today, which most churches will totally reject and say, no, 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 no. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to rock the boat is take up your cross and follow Him. Yeah. See, not one amen. What, 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 see? <laughs> How many you got that scripture on your fridge? Man, I'm taking up my cross and following Jesus. Doing things I don't want to do, my flesh rebels against, but I'm going to do it anyway. Now, this is so important because there are things we can enter into as a church in these last days that would totally turn our whole valley upside down. And when this valley is turned upside down for the Lord, actually it should be more like turned right side up because it's pretty much upside down right now. There are things we can do as a church. We We can so populate heaven, depopulate hell, if we'll all just make some decisions to give up some things, adjust some things, repent of some things, change some things. In the earlier service, we reserved about 10 minutes at the end of the service for everybody to come to the altar and pray. And to say, God, I'm ready to go all the way. I'm holding nothing back. Think of the worst place on this planet you'd like to live. Be willing to go and spend the rest of your life there for the Lord ministering. I found out something interesting. And I'm not saying he'd call you to do that. But listen very closely. If you're not willing to do it, it's messing with your fellowship with God. You need to be willing to do anything for the Lord, even if he doesn't want you to do it. Remember Abraham? Abraham was blessed with a son from God in his old age. It was a miracle. He was 100. Sarah was 99. They had a child called Isaac. It was a total miracle. He believed God. Hoped against hope. Believed God. right, Fully persuaded that what God promised, he would also be able to perform. He hung in there, stuck with it, called himself Abraham way before he was a father of many nations. Just stood in faith year after year. And Isaac's born. And he loved his son The promise of God and one day the Lord said offer him up to me go up on the mountain like you sacrifice animals and sacrifice your son do it for me Abraham didn't bat an eyelash that's why he's called the father of faith we're talking about well I don't know if I want to give up my my desire I I don't know if I want to give up this to to abide by a certain dress code or I don't know if I want he gave up his son I mean, some of these things we we cringe at, they're so minor and minimal compared to what Abraham was willing to give up. God said, give up your son. So Abraham didn't even bat an eyelash, took his son, went up to the mountain, got the knife, coming down, and an angel spoke from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, stop! It's obvious you're willing. Abraham had to see it too. It's obvious you're willing. There's a ram. Take that instead. Sacrifice that. Isaac doesn't have to die. So, so, God asked Abraham to give up his son for him. When he was seen fully willing to do it, he didn't have to do it. Because God wanted him to be willing to do it more than to do it. There's times the Lord may deal with you about moving to a country you never want to move to or staying right where you want to stay when you do want to move. And you're like... Fighting with it for three weeks, right? Praying and saying, God, I don't want to do that. God, 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 I don't want to do that. And then all of a sudden you get willing, and the Lord says, all right, now that I know you're truly willing, I don't want you to do it. I just wanted you to be willing to do it. This will unstick you in God's call on your life. You'll be able to hear from Him way better if you're willing to do anything for the Lord, give up anything for the Lord. Are you following? Yes. Talking about holy following the Lord. So look at that scripture one more time in Deuteronomy, the, last, the second verse. Now, all these other people aren't going to enter into the promises, but Caleb is different, the son of Jephthah. Now, he's going to see the promises, the promised land, and to him will I give the land that he has trodden upon and to his children. Okay, now there's a whole lesson right there. Our holy following the Lord affects our children in a wonderful way. Are partially following the Lord affects our children in a not-so-wonderful way it's not just well whatever happens in their life they're gonna get set in some things at home hopefully they're set in an environment where mom and dad or mom or dad if there's been a divorce where are wholly following the Lord it will affect your children we are so thankful for our children. They're not perfect, but we're very thankful that we have kids and grandkids who love God. They go to church because they want to. They serve in the church. They work in the church. Every one of them in the church. Kids, even Judah Benjamin. Judah B is working in the church. He's, he's the guy that comes in once in a while during office hours and makes everybody all smiley and happy. <laughs> he doesn't know he's working for the church. He's only one year old. But <laughs> it, is so, it is so priceless. It's so priceless to have children who actually love church. I've heard testimonies of PKs, you know, pastor's kids who didn't turn out right. And I'm trying to think, Lord, I don't know what you did for us, but I'm so thankful. I know it's your mercy. I know it's your grace. We're not super smart. Thank you for whatever you did for us to help us with your mercy and grace. Because not only are they not out in the world living crazy lives, they love the ministry in the church. They love it. They volunteer. They work hard. They care about the things of God come to church even if we didn't. They do when we're out of town. And it's wonderful. It's absolutely, what is the profit a pastor if he has a 10,000 seat auditorium and loses his own kids? I know that's not a scripture, but it's based off of a scripture. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his own soul? And the Lord helped us. I know the Lord showed us that holy following the Lord does not exclude a lot of fun. We made this very clear to our kids that holy following the Lord was a blast. Hard work at times. Late night work in the church at times. Sleeping on the floor at meetings at times. Yeah, but not only that, it was so much fun. We made sure to take times of rest and just fly to Disneyland on a whim. And just treat our kids to a few days in Disneyland. Or our, our not Sperry Farm or wherever it was. We knew there were times we were led by the Spirit. We knew the ministry is important and powerful and wonderful, but a part of putting God first is coming apart to a desert place and resting a while. And so we made sure our kids saw that side of the ministry too. We purposed in our hearts to never talk bad about any problems or people, problem people in the church in front of our kids. Their ears do not need that stuff. You will overload them. Are you listening? They don't need to know about all the junk that's going on around you. Anyone having fun? Go to another scripture. Go to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. And let's look at verse 8, 9, and 14. And we're going to hear Caleb himself talking about some things after he got into the promised land. Caleb says in the book of Joshua here, Caleb says, Nevertheless, my brothers, says so he just being in the family, doesn't mean you're going to enter into all the great things God has for you. You have to follow the Lord as well. Now, 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 if you're a born again Christian, you're going to heaven when you die. But is anybody interested in living in victory till you get to heaven? Helping people powerfully till you get to heaven? That's where holy following the Lord comes in. It's more about others than you. Caleb said, Nevertheless, my brothers that went up with me made the heart of the people to melt because they brought up an evil report of unbelief, saying, oh, We can't take it, it's too big. But Caleb said, But I wholly follow the Lord my God. Does that make a difference? Yes. Next verse. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land, Caleb, wherein your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you were a child of Israel. And it just, these things just happen automatically. A little bit more than that, my friends. Yeah. It said they happen because you wholly followed the Lord. Why say holy? Why say holy? Because you can partially do this. You can do whatever you want. You can serve the Lord a little bit. You can give your life totally to Him. You can come to an altar call and shake Jesus' hand and say, good to meet you, and go back and live your own life. Or you can give your heart to God and live for Him for the rest of your days. Yes. Amen. Holy following the Lord is the best thing we could ever be involved with in our lives. As a matter of fact, the Lord shared it to me this way as I was preparing this morning at home, getting ready to come to church. He said many, many people aren't going to have to pray for so many things anymore if they'll just wholly follow me because the blessings will just show up. Won't have to ask me for certain things because they'll just walk smack dab in the middle of them. Won't have to pray for certain blessings. They'll just rain on them because they're under the spout where the blessings are coming out. They're following the Lord with all their heart and they're not going to have to pray all these help me prayers because they won't need to. There's no substitute for wholly following the Lord. Well, I'm just going to live my life, you know, do what I want to do, and if I get in trouble, I'll get pastor to pray for me. Some of my prayers won't work for you if you're not wholly following the Lord yourself. And it's not about God saying, oh, let me give you a star. No, it's about you being on the right road. When you're on the right road, you experience certain things. When you're on the wrong road, you experience certain things. And it's not God's will that you experience wrong things if you chose to be on a wrong road. Right? Make straight paths for your feet. it's, It's important which path you're taking. Some people say, well, I don't know why God's not answering my prayer. Maybe He's trying to, but maybe you're on the wrong road and your answer's over here waiting for you. Holy following the Lord. The end times is calling for this. And here's the devil. You ready? The devil is constantly saying this to our minds. If you wholly follow the Lord, you won't like it. He brings it in a feeling or a suggestion or a dream or a thought or an impression. If you really wholly follow the Lord, your life's going to be a drag. No more fun. No, now, since he's a liar, then the opposite is true. Fullness of joy will be in your life, yes. right? Yes. Peace that passes understanding, yes. full inheritance, yes. promised land galore. Yes. Amen. The devil is, a, is a, such an expert at, try, at deceiving people, he's been doing it for 6,000 years. Don't think you can, don't think you can, uh, are a match for the devil of your own power. He will wind you up and tie you up and spit you out. But if you will know the scriptures, and if you will stay wholly following the Lord, you are totally above him and totally more than a conqueror over him and his lies. But he will tell you if you really sell out to God, you won't like it. Might as well say goodbye to all your fun. And might as well say goodbye to all your good times and all your parties and all this. Um, newsflash. Is it the early service that I say, or did I say at this service, that God told his people to party for seven days straight? Was it early service? It was it this service? You know, we, we're, like we said, we're not talking about worldly intoxication or anything like that. He just said, rejoice in the great things your Lord has done for you. Party, dance, shout, rejoice. I have partied in the world you know, at the nightclubs and with the Bacardi and the cocaine and, and all this and all that. And I'm talking over 40 years ago, not two weeks ago. OK, <laughs> I, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And I partied with the best of them, the rock and roll scene and you know, the whole the whole glitz and glam of the band, the rock band and all this and the drugs and the, all this stuff. And I partied in church. Zero comparison. Oh, one breeded death, one breeds life. One gave me more problems, one fixed my problems. You know, there's things that can be fixed in a joy meeting that can't get fixed by any cure in this world at all. We've seen things fixed in those Holy Spirit meetings where the joy of the Lord hits and you run, you shout, you dance, you sing simply because you believe what God said. There's things that are... Young people are called to ministry in meetings like that and 10 years later they're preaching the gospel all over the place and it's amazing. So the devil says, if you wholly follow the Lord, you know, you're not going to like it. What should you do if you feel that or sense that? Say, shut up. I'm not a stupid person. Who created fun? Ding. God created fun. Right? Who perverted fun? The devil. Who created joy? Joy. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. And if you're wholly following the Lord, you're going to sense what's in His presence. Fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. (laughs) The devil is ceaselessly trying to deceive and dupe people into thinking serving God is not what they want. Now watch out about looking at other people who say they're serving God, but maybe they're just in some kind of religion or something. I mean, truly serving the Lord is life more abundantly. It's wonderful. All right, can you handle one more scripture? Yes. Did you read this here? Did we get done on this? Yes. Joshua, oh no, let's read another one. Joshua 14, 8. Go back to 8. Okay. So he said, Caleb said, Brethren that went up with me, they made a heart of people to mount, but I wholly followed the Lord. Next verse. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein your feet have trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 14. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephthah, the Kinezite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Not just because he was a child of Israel, but because that child wholly followed the Lord God of Israel, he got more inheritance than anybody other than Joshua. Yep. All right, just hang in there four more hours and we'll be done. <clears throat> <Okay. laughs> I'm joking. 1 Timothy chapter 4, please. 1 Timothy 4. This is where we ended last time, so it's probably where we're going to end now, but no promises. <laughs> um, why say holy if you couldn't serve God partially? Okay, before we read this, church, look up here while you're finding that scripture in First Timothy 4.15. Look up here. They're saved. How many think it's good to be saved? But then there's also filled with the Spirit. How many think we should go both? <laughs> How many think we should be saved and we should be filled with the Spirit and live a Spirit-filled life, not just have a Spirit-filled experience two years ago where you spoke in tongues once in your life? Maintain a spirit-filled life by speaking in tongues every day of your life. Keeping that constant communication with the Lord. Miracles won't seem so fantasy to you. They'll be real. Everybody say saved. Filled. (laughs) Thank you, Carla. My greatest fan. Saved. Filled. Saved. Filled. All right. How many think it's good to be a believer? Believer, right? How about disciple? Disciple. Not as many, but we're, we're getting there. <laughs> Everybody say saved. Saved. Follower. Follower. I like them both, don't you? Yep. How about this? You say, well, I believe in Jesus. How many think that's good to believe in Jesus? Yep. How many of you love him? Yes. Sacrificially. Wow, that's good. See, we got saved. We got filled. All right, we got believer. We got disciple. We got, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. Yeah. Now, we're not going to go here. You can do it for homework. Philippians chapter 3. You should read the whole chapter. It's only like 20 verses, 25 verses. It talks about Paul getting to a place in his life, Paul the apostle, getting to a place in his life where he said, those things that were gained to me, I count them all lost for Christ. Matter of fact, I count all things, good and bad, but dung, that I may know him, And the power of his resurrection to go higher and farther in God. And then Paul said this. He said, actually, you know what, church? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, if there's a high calling, there's a medium. There's coming lower than the high calling. There's less than, and that would be by choice, not by divine decree. There is a high calling in everybody's life, but not everybody wants to go up that high because it costs you. Temporarily, but pays way more in the eternal. Everybody say, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm willing to give up even good things. He had some good stuff. He had degrees at the feet of Gamaliel, best university around at that time. He had degrees. He had knowledge. He had pizzazz. He had a place in, in the Pharisees. He had all this stuff. He said, all that I chucked it. Not bad stuff. I know sometimes it's not bad stuff you need to throw out of the balloon to go higher. Sometimes it's the good stuff if you want to go higher. And this is where a lot of people don't enter into the next phase of their life in ministry because They're trying to figure out how if I give up this, life's really going to still be wonderful. And here's the word you got to remember. Faith. Just believe God's smarter than you. Give up. Be willing to give up what you think you can't live without, and he'll prove that there's something a hundred times better that you didn't even know about. Trust. Believe that his way is better, and he can always do better. Let's say you get the best house. You say you get the best life. Get the best whatever. And the Lord says, now I want you to just kind of give that up for me so you can go to the next level. And you don't even know what that next level is. (laughs) Abraham was told by God, get up, get out, leave your family, leave your home, and just start heading heading this direction. And he didn't go, well, God, I'm not leaving anywhere until you tell me where I'm going. God says, you know, I'm not going to tell you where you're going until you get up and go. And the person says, well, I'm not going to get up and go until you tell me where I'm going. And God says, you get going and I'll tell you where on the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's the way it is. It has to be that way. Everybody's wanting all these facts. Well, where's faith in that? You ain't no faith in something like that. You've got to believe God's smarter than you. His way is the best way when it, you don't know if it is. You just believe in that it is. Right? So 1 Timothy 4.15 Paul's talking in the New Testament to Christians. He says to Timothy. Now, Timothy, if you read the previous verses, and we won't do that now, he's talking about reading the Bible, praying, seeking God, preaching the word, remembering the prophecies that went on him, the things of God, the the gifts of God. And Paul says, Timothy, meditate upon the things of God in your life. Meditate upon these things. That means ponder. That means go over, think, chew, right? Right? Meditate on these things. Timothy, give yourself wholly to the things of God. Why? I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. Doesn't everything just happen automatically? Doesn't grace just take care of everything? Pretty much, but not all. (laughs) There is a part we have to play. How many want to appropriate more grace in your life? Then let the grace of God help you do these things so you can appropriate more grace. Give yourself completely. If there's ever a time, it's now. It's time to completely sell out to God. I mean, come on, just, just trust in the mercy and grace of God. He'll fix things. Don't worry about it. Just be truthful, be honest, sell out. Why? That your profiting may appear. No longer is it just your word. I believe, you know, I believe we got the scripture. It's appearing in your life. What profiting? Any kind of profiting. Health, strength, prosperity, peace, joy, wisdom, anointing. That you're profiting. Anybody want things appearing from the invisible world to the visible world? How does it happen? Not just being a Christian. Yeah, you're going to heaven when you die. Yeah, you're not going to hell. But how many want things to appear in your life until you get to heaven that are really, really good? Things that will really get people's attention to look to your Jesus. Yes. Things that will help you and your family live on a higher level of joy and power and strength and influence. Yeah. Why say holy? That's the name of my message. So when you go to the restaurant today and the, you know, you're talking to your waiter or waitress, tell them, I went to church today, heard a great message entitled, Why Say Holy? And they'll probably look at you like, and then just love on them and tell them what you heard and give them a huge tip. Because you can partially do it. You can part way serve the Lord, still go to heaven when you die, but not enter into the greater things the Lord had for you on the earth. So for the remaining time, um, I want to do what we did in the early service. And before I, I give you this opportunity, though, let me just exhort you here with this one last thing. The Bible talks about running our particular race with patience. It actually talks about, you know, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, you know, all the people of faith that have left the earth who are watching us like a grandstand run our race here on the earth. You know, King David, Moses, all those guys. The Bible says, we believers, if you want to run your particular race, make it to the end, break the tape, you know, like you're supposed to get the rewards that you, you have coming to you, then we got to lay aside not only sins, but weights. Things that are holding us back, killing our time when we could be doing something 10 times more powerful, praying or whatever. See, what's a weight to me may not be a weight to you. What's a weight to you may not be a weight to me. You may have a problem with too many video games. It's killing your time. Not bad, nothing wrong. It's just you don't have any time to pray. You're worn out when it's time to go to church. You've spent. Half the night, Saturday night, too late. Playing games. Maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's too much TV time. If we really want to wholly follow the Lord, we're not just interested in repenting from sin. We're also interested in laying aside weights. Things that are slowing us down from the particular race we're called to run. I know you know, I, one of the things that I know sparks revival is when people start being really honest. I know in the book of Acts, it says a lot of people were involved in curious arts and witchcraft and divination. They had all these books and magical books. It said the word of the Lord grew and multiplied and all these people got convicted. They came out publicly confessing their sins and through all this trash and all this seance stuff, all this crystal ball stuff in a pile, burned it 50,000 pieces of silver. We're talking tons of money translated in our day. Just burned it up in a puff of smoke and said, I'm done following that stupid stuff. It's time to do some house cleaning. Got rid of some music, got rid of some books, got rid of some magazines, got rid of some internet stuff, just burned it. You know, Jesus said if your hand offends you, cut it off. He didn't mean literally cut your hand off, but he meant it's going to hurt that bad some of these things because they're so attached to you. And so sometimes people need to be honest with somebody else about some secrets and I know the devil's going to be right there saying if you tell your spouse about what you've been doing in secret they are going to punch you and leave you. That's the devil. God says if you're truthful mercy can come on the scene and perform miracles and there's really no promise that the offended person will go the merciful route, but the probability is way higher if you're truthful. And, but you know what, you'll find out that even if you did lose everything, by being honest, you'll have a peace that no man can take away, because you know you're right with God. And if somebody didn't want to work things out and just didn't want to yield to the miracle of mercy or whatever, and they wanted to go a different direction after they hear all the truth, you're still going to be great because you did what your father wanted you to do. And he's the one that can come for you like nobody else. Right? But we've seen miracles in our life. We've seen miracles in other people's lives. It's not easy to be honest. It takes courage. But these are revival proceedings we're talking about. This world is so ripe for revival right now. We have such an opportunity like we've never had before in our lives. There are multitudes and multitudes in the Valley of Decision. The day of the Lord is near in the Valley of Decision. Bible says, "Beat your plowshares into swords, your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let's be willing in the day of his power. Let's do those exploits that we know the world needs us to do right now. And we're much bigger and much stronger and much more effective as a team. And I believe we right now just need to just say, you know, whatever my life is important, I put it on the altar. Good, bad, ugly, whatever. And Lord, I just want you to show me what you want and just walk softly before the Lord the next few days and weeks. Stay in this attitude of consecration. Pray, seek God, hear from Him. If 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 there's wrong thoughts going on that you know you shouldn't be thinking, stop them. Now the devil bringing a thought is one thing, but us entertaining that junk is another thing. Being tempted is not a sin. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we yet without sin feeling a pole feeling a desire doesn't mean you blew it just watch out about yielding to it and going that direction because then eventually you will have to repent but it's time to get our thoughts cleaned up our motives for doing things should be right instead of just selfish our fear talk to God about your motives your intentions Seek the Lord about what you're spending so much your time on. Is it an authorized of the Lord, or is there just something you're doing that's killing all your time and making you tired when you should be strong for a church service? Are these all, are all these authorized of you, Lord? Or you may find your schedule getting real simple and you having all kinds of peace in your life, cutting off a bunch of stuff you thought was God but was just good. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry,